Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm Michael McNutt, Weedy's Director of Events and Education, sitting in for Matthew Albright this week. Weedy is a national membership organization where the healthcare IT community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. This week, I'm happy to welcome Unmesh Srivastava, Chief Technology and Digital Innovation Officer with Clever Care Health Plan. Over the years, Unmesh and his teams have helped U.S. healthcare with opportunities to drive innovation and disruptive transformation using digital enablement. He has worked with multiple innovation organizations, building and deploying the next generation of healthcare. All the, di- all the digital enablement projects have been geared towards driving a differentiated provider and patient experience while reducing the cost of care and improving quality of care. CleverCare was founded to help members of the communities they serve to understand the complexities of their health care. They are dedicated to providing cultural sensitive health care solutions that offer their members better access to the services they need in the languages they understand. Clever Care delivers on the commitment to their memberships, to their members' health and well-being by offering plans that connect the benefits of Eastern and Western medicine. Unmesh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. It's fantastic. I, I'm really intrigued and interested to, to have this conversation. Uh, before we dip into this technological revolution in healthcare that you seem to be like really on the, on the edge of, uh, let's learn a little bit about you. Movies are full of superhero origin stories, as we all know. Uh, we look into healthcare origin stories as well. So how did you get into healthcare, and how did you cultivate this passion for entrepreneurship and, and technology in healthcare? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a loaded question. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so I was, I was born and raised in India, and most of my family um, is family of doctors. My, my mom is a primary care physician. I saw um, a lot of doctors within my family while growing up. So the one thing that I did not want to do was to work in healthcare <laughs> because I saw the amount of hours they would put in, the amount of you know um, interaction, and and just it's a service occupation, healthcare. So I was like, you know what? Not for me. I'm gonna go into engineering. I really like math and and science. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to go into engineering and, you know, go become uh, electronics and communication engineer. Uh, or I wanted to go into technology management. So um, my journey started when I was in the engineering school. Um, this was in this remote area in a city called, in a state called Rajasthan in India. And uh, while we were there, we conducted a couple of like you know, it it was pretty underserved. The area was remote and underserved. So um, one day I asked my mom, uh, hey, can you just, you know, I'm going out here doing a small health camp. Can you help me out and just, you know, be on Google Hangout? At that time, I don't know what it was called, but, you know, this is in 2006, I would say. But we did, uh, so I was like, okay, we're going to do a health camp. There are people who look needy here. All you need to do is just just let them know what they need to do if they need to be referred to tertiary care or there is, you know, they wanted, you know, if there are things that you identify or or even remotely diagnosed that, that I can help them with. So it started as a passion project. We did like three or four 
such you know uh, events and every time this event would go in the number of people showing up will go higher and higher and higher right so it was sort of before telehealth telehealth really um and then uh, i came to right after that in 2008 i sort of that was a short like stint but then i came over to us in 2008 to pursue a masters of science in engineering management um because i wanted to get into the management side of technology I was always fascinated by tech. So uh, when I came here, was pursuing my master's degree, uh, started working in multiple different consulting roles, and then um, got to work at Kaiser. And uh, when I, uh, that was not by design. Kaiser was very close to where I lived. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a job here. And then I somehow, while being brought up in India, I didn't realize US healthcare, I somehow thought US healthcare is like, you know, one of the best in the world, which, you know, after joining Kaiser, which is one of the premier organizations, um, I realized like there's so much, this is one of the best organization in the country, but there's still so much opportunity for tech. So that's where the journey started. From Kaiser, I went to United Health Group. I was leading innovation and business transformation there for a good six years, where we were building next generation technology enablement or digital tech for our physicians and the patients. Um, after that, my, my appetite for working in the corporate was sort of full and I wanted to go work in a startup. I went, uh, started working in an organization called P3 Health Partners, which was a risk-bearing provider group out of uh, uh, Nevada. Um, we, in three years, the organization grow, grew pretty rapidly. Last year, we went public. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, at that point, Clever Care came by and I was just really moved because I'm first generation immigrant in the U.S. I really feel for the seniors and Medicare, uh, you know, folks who are on Medicare who have come here a while back. And there's there's so much like, in, you know, inequity because of them really coming from a different culture and language. And that's what Clever Care was solving for. So I, I like directly related to the problem statement and I was very happy to jump on and build out the digital enablement of this very special cause that, that clever care is solving for. That sounds great. And now that we're talking about clever care, I'm really intrigued by the description that I said earlier, I got it off your website, um, Eastern and Western connections. So, so that it, that's intriguing to me. So, so it, it Explain that a little. Like, how how does one, if they're a member of Clever Care, have these kind of Eastern and Western uh, medical or, or kind of uh, therapeutic experiences? Yeah. So no, that's a that that was one of the big value propositions which drove me to come join Clever Care and its mission. Um, I was born in India, which is part of you know Asian continent or subcontinent. And while growing up, there are so many things. Um, which are more herbal in nature, which are more movement-driven, which really promote preventive wellness as opposed to reactive care, right? And then on the Western side of the world, there is preventative care, but like the allopathy medicine has really excelled in fixing diseases, right? Um, so I think what Clever Care is doing is trying to amalgamate both preventive care 
and this whole, you know, next generation allopathic care in the West. So things like acupuncture, right, for, um, you know, physical, um, uh, you know, issues, things like herbal supplements, you know, I, growing up in India, turmeric was a common thing, you know, using aloe vera was a common thing for us, you know, as a skin routine, or even as a, uh, if there's fever, you would put turmeric, uh, you would put um, aloe vera, which will pretty much has healing powers to absorb, you know, a lot of body heat, right? So there, there are a lot of these things, which I think are super, um, they're good on the Eastern medicine side. And what Clever Care is trying to do is combine these therapeutic uh, medication and benefits with the traditional Western benefits, which is, you know, dental, hearing, uh, you know, medical insurance, zero cost, because it's for Medicare Advantage plans. And we've built that great amalgamation of Eastern preventative medicine and Western medicine into our benefit packages for our seniors. Now, apart from that, the other big challenge that we are solving for is, as you know, um, like U.S. is the melting pot of the world. People from all over the world are here building their lives and, and, and contributing towards, you know, building a greater America. And... Um, in that part of the process, you know, just because they in English is not their primary language or they come from different cultures, our healthcare system has been traditionally built for English speaking population. Mm -hmm. And I think because of not speaking the same language or coming or coming from the same culture, that that just creates a lot of health divide, mm -hmm. not only in healthcare access, but also in terms of healthcare outcomes and how a person, an individual engages in their care journey, mm -hmm. right? And that's what Clever Care is also trying to solve for. We are a multicultural, uh, multilingual, um, language agnostic, um, uh, you know, platform where we, we are catering to these members who who do not speak english and and our goal is to sort of activate multi languages and multi cultures in the healthcare experience which no one else is doing in the country right now that does at the scale at which we are trying to do it that's fascinating and yet definitely with uh differencing differences in language and culture also hesitancy and resistance to you know medicine so so that's where you have that kind of frustration so that that's fantastic and, and yes I, I take i have uh i put turmeric in my coffee every morning i have a turmeric gummy that i have at night so i have an aloe vera plant upstairs so i'm already there i'm already with you on that <laughs> so uh it appears you know and we're talking about you know health equity almost in a way and and health equity health disparities is has really kind of opened up a lot of eyes in the past couple of years. And uh, along with, you know, necessity because of the pandemic have opened our eyes and along with regulations that have been coming out, there's been a greater cause for emerging technology to kind of marry, you know, with possibly over at where, where you are with the kind of Eastern philosophies. So from your, from your experience, and you've been around, you know, you've been from 2006, 2008, you've Kaiser, you know, United everywhere. Why now? Why is technology, why are we grasping it so strong right now for healthcare? That's a great question, Mike. Um, if you leave like healthcare, just see how our lives have changed in the last decade. 
with consumer technology, right? Mm-hmm. You, the way you uh, interact with your financial institutions, banks, uh, you know, your, um, how you interact with how you, you know, invest, uh, how do you interact with, if you have to go from point A to point B, you know, all of these things are on your fingertips today, yeah. right? Your shopping experience. You don't go to, you know, uh, physical markets as much as you used to before. Everything is online. The one thing which has actually not caught up as quickly has been healthcare Mm -hmm. and access to healthcare. Um, So I think with this disruption around us where, you know, smartphones have become mainstream in the last decade, um, connected, being connected all the time to the internet, and the information, just the sheer information flow, all of these sort of external factors are now also very quickly impacting healthcare as well. And especially like people who've been in health tech have been pushing for telehealth for last 10 years. But there was like adoption rate of telehealth was really, really low. But now we are at a point, pandemic forced us to adopt telehealth. And you know, in the last, I think last two and a half, three years or two, two and a half, yeah, two and a half years since COVID outbreak happened, a lot of our, you know, healthcare techies like me and people who are working in healthcare, it, it just came around that, that it became, um, it became a necessity to engage in your healthcare digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's a lot of movement into, from volume-based care which is traditionally fee-for-service, to now value-based care. And you cannot, like practitioners and health systems, cannot practice value-based care without technology, Mm -hmm. without really understanding their populations, without really understanding the individuals and the burden of care. So there are a lot of these external factors which have sort of driven tech enablement of care, um, to a mainstream level now, and I think it's not going to stop. Now it's just caught a trajectory, and this will uh, the use of tech in healthcare will become mainstream and will uh, go deep uh, over some years. That as we sounds- go. That's that's great, promising future uh, for us. And we're talking with Unmesh Sri Sri Vastava. Got it. I'm good. Yes. I'm good. I'm getting there. <laughs> Sweet. It's the water. I'm just drinking. My allergies are really messing up. Uh, he is the Chief Technology and Digital Innovation Officer with Clever Care Health Plan here on the Collective Voice of Health IT. Um, you know, we're saying this. Technology is just, it's just, it's just bowling ball or snowball rolling down the hill. Uh, are we ready for it? That's the next question. You know, like, are folks willing, able, excited? I mean, there's gener- generational. You were just talking about how the older generation um, has some resistance and some hesitancy toward healthcare. Now you interject technology in the mix, you know, between them and, and perhaps younger generations who might be more, um, you know, used to and comfortable with, you know, everything being at the palm of their hand. Uh, you know, are we overall ready to handle this new healthcare technology as easily as people were with shopping online and doing everything else online is having, our, our health information out there and having these third-party apps and other, you know, entities out there wanting to get that data, are, are we ready to have that data and ready to disperse that data? 
uh, you know, as, as kind of a, as a culture, you know, in the United States? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great, great question, Mike. And I think everyone who is working in digital health, this is um, digital health inequity is mainstream. It's a problem, no matter how good of the applications you build or, you know, patient portals and so forth. Um, adoption of that is really been a challenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would, to answer your question, I think it's a work in progress. Um, we are at an inflection point, last 10 years more so with tech-based disruption. Um, I think this, this, this constant struggle of, you know, uh, consumerism, like are people basically what you're talking about, right? Are people really ready? Or are some people ahead of the game? Mm-hmm. Some people are not. Um, I don't think everyone is ready. There's a dif- th- there's definitely a digital divide in our society right now. Um, a lot of that relates to education. A lot of that relates to um, availability of internet, you know, bandwidth, availability of smart devices and so forth. But a lot of that is also cult- cultural shift. You know, a lot of times you'll see the younger uh, generation, you- you'll see there are seniors who are ready to jump into the digital experience and they are using social media to connect with their children. Mm-hmm. They are using all these communication applications and they are much more um, ready to uh, take up the tech and use it for their healthcare versus some of the younger folks are not um, because they have busy schedules because of lack of education and so forth. But I think this is more of a responsibility that lies in the hands of the healthcare people, the health systems, right, who are servicing these patients and the members. Um, like I'll give you an example. When, when the pandemic started, we did implement telehealth, but you know there was a big focus on hey, telehealth as a technology is pretty, like it was pretty mature, but we didn't have the kind of adoption that we are looking for. Even in pandemic, we would have all these struggles of providers being able to log on to the line and and the patients being available and and vice versa. So. We, like, I have been a big proponent, and I usually, in my tech strategy, I I always put member advocates or member digital advocates, folks who are ready to meet the people where they are at in their digital journey, and sort of handhold them through the experience. And sometimes they might not have a smartphone, you know, can we make them a phone call? Sometimes, you know, they don't have access to phone. Can we send a social worker at their at their homes and, and the social worker can initiate the telehealth call with the provider? Mm-hmm. So things like that, I think it's the health system's responsibility to increase the digital literacy and, and meet the members where they are at. And I, I think it'll be good overall for the society if we start using digital for at least the basic data, basic knowledge, outpatient services. Um, at least that's that's sort of my vision of no, how I see it. That's a fantastic vision. You mentioned a phrase that I first heard years ago. Um, wow, early 2000, digital divide. Um, so, so that was something uh, in my previous life. I worked um, uh, on Native American reservations, uh, assisting them with you know, some uh, uh, financial developments. 
and um, the digital divide was was realer than anything else I've ever seen in my life. Um, so you know, fast forward, we're talking about health equity and health disparity and uh, rural and even urban areas that are struggling with kind of grasping this new technology. Um, you know, where do you see technologies play in helping and being a part of health equity, being a part of health disparity? There's always kind of the health equity side, like the moral side of it. So of course, it's, you know, equal health for everyone, you know, but, but from a technological side, how do you carry that mission? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I, I think from a health equity perspective, really one making, I think internet, even though we all take it for granted, but there are still uh, rural areas where, mm -hmm. you know, the internet and bandwidth is not available. So as the infrastructure of the country grows, um, it will get access to higher bandwidth so that you can even have people connected in the rural areas. I think that's one of the big things. Um, the other thing is, is really building tech for the consumers, right? I think as, as healthcare technologists, uh, human-centered design is, is one of the things that I really very strongly believe in. If you need a wooden cart, you don't have to build a spaceship. Right, because it will not solve the problem. It you need a wooden cart for that problem, and if you need a spaceship, wooden cart is not a solution. So um, I, I really think building the tech which has more empathy and more human-centered design built in it will be a crucial thing for the health systems and technology companies out there, and then just just knowing the fact that there is a big digital divide right now in the society and building the technology and wrapping it around with processes and adoption, um, you know, folk, uh, people who can help drive this technology adoption is going to be critical. And knowing that this is a work in progress, you might build the best application out there for remote patient monitoring and triaging and all of that. But really because of this digital divide there it will take time yeah. to spread across and and i think that's that's really if you keep that in mind while designing whatever you're designing for the consumers it'll go a long way yeah one of the other things i guess folks need to kind of take in consideration is scalability uh, understanding that you know not every community not every organization not every mass of people are the same and when you're developing this technology for Two million, you also have to consider creating it for 250. You know, like you kind of have to have that ability to think on multiple planes of understanding, like what my popul what my population needs and what is my population at that time. So, um, I, I want to go into artificial intelligence uh, a lot. Um, a lot of weedy content this year, past yeah, probably the past years, really focus on this kind of surge of artificial intelligence. Uh, it's gone beyond uh, theory and, and what could be to now, like, this is what it is, and it's going to continue growing. Um, talk to me about what you're doing at Clever Care and what you see overall in terms of artificial intelligence kind of being able to address so many different things. Um, it, it's, it's not a cure-all, but, but it's really a it's, it's, it's that tool you have that literally works on every little thing you have. Like, you know, it's like, it's your Swiss army knife, you know? So, right. so talk to me about, you know, artificial intelligence and it's kind of, uh, uh, introduction and, and kind of presence within healthcare right now. 
Yeah, no, that's a, I, I completely agree with you, Mike. AI is catching a lot of traction. There's a lot of vaporware in the name of AI as well. Mm -hmm. But I think with AI, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I'll talk specifically in healthcare or what we are doing with Clevercare right now, mm -hmm. right? I think what a lot of people do not um, understand is the building block of artificial intelligence, you know, business intelligence, machine learning, deep learning is data. Yeah. And, and step one to the journey of artificial intelligence is having your data right, or at least concatenated in the right way so that you can enable artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning. So for us, or for any technologist out there, before you think artificial intelligence, you think data. And that's sort of our plan for this year. Um, we are building out a solution called Clever Cloud, which is sort of our proprietary data ingestion platform. And uh, we'll build AI on top of that. And our secret sauce is really bringing in cultural uh, language, social data into everything we do in order to differentiate um, in order to drive a differentiated engagement experience for the populations that we are serving, who are multi-ethnic, multicultural. Um, so, so the step one to me is the data. So mm -hmm. healthcare, as you know, is just plagued with 30% of the healthcare data is unstructured. Yep. And there's a lot of intelligence that lies within that unstructured data, which we are not able to capture. So what we are doing with our data ecosystem with Clever Cloud is building, uh, we are utilizing AWS and building um, a data layer which will ingest data in multiple formats. We are putting an NLP engine uh, up front in order to ingest data, unstructured data, and then converting it into structure or extracting the right intelligence and, and sort of combining it at a patient, um, at a member, at a provider, at a uh, you know, at different hierarchy levels, right? So that's our plan for like this year. Uh, early next year, we will start going into AI. And uh, as I said, um, I think there are multiple use cases. I mean, you start with natural language processing. There's so much unstructured data that you can receive, convert into structured or extract critical intelligence that you need um, for for. AI in general or business intelligence that we are using NLP for. Then we are we will be building out deep learning, machine learning algorithms for things like dynamic risk stratification, mm -hmm. not clinical primarily, like clinical is one of the pieces, but we will heavily include cultural, social um, data in that language um, in order to have a very sort of consolidated 360 way to, to stratify our populations, mm -hmm. right? Um, we, a big part of us being sort of in value-based care and risk-based care is really enabling both our patients and uh, or our members and our physicians. So we will be building a lot of like uh, member engagement scoring. We will be doing a lot of work in physician engagement scoring and so forth using machine learning algorithms. So that's sort of our vision in year next year, once we are set with, you know, once we've built our data ecosystem to a point where it's ready for AI. Um, and uh, I just see there's a lot of promise with artificial intelligence in healthcare. I, I think there's a, but there's a long way to go. 
I like the, I like the order in which you you said no. Let's get the data right first, and then we'll move forward. I I, I like that. It's a very sensible, logical way of of building things. Um, I, I, we've talked about a lot of things, but when you talk about data, and then earlier you mentioned value based care, um, that's another. You know, why didn't we get together sooner? Because you're talking all you're talking our language here. So, uh, in, in terms of value based care. Uh, where do you see it's definitely a data issue getting the data uh, to the proper entities uh, so so how do you see value-based care growing um, you know in the next couple of years where it's, it's it's really being adopted you know ever since you know with the pandemic it made news it's become a showcase item now people are really seeing the advantages and value of it you know, excuse the pun but what, what do you see in terms of technology to aid? value-based care? And is it definitely something we should be looking at for the future of healthcare? Absolutely. No. And I'm a big proponent of value-based care. I've been working in this space for over the last 10 years. Um, I really think that we have to move from uh, volume-based or fee-for-service care or sick care to value-based care or preventative care. Um, And I, I really feel tech is the Tech is the only way you can do value-based care, right? Mm. Because ultimately with value-based care, you're trying to impact the quadruple goal of healthcare, which is, you know, reducing the medical cost, improving patient experience, provider experience, and then also improving quality of care. And it is a more outcome-based play as opposed to a very like number of visits equates to the dollars flowing into the, you know, practitioners. So, um, So I really think like there are multiple components. Whenever you are building the value-based care technology ecosystem, there are multiple things. I think the bedrock layer of everything is data, as you just said. So your uh, health system's ability to integrate data from various different uh, various different sources, whether it be primary care, specialty care, hospitals, SNF, cell tax, pharmacies, labs, um, CMS, your ability to integrate that data together into um, a normalized and, uh, uh, you know, integrated form, and then building the right level of intelligence to be fed at the point of service, and then driving uh, interventions, clinical interventions based off on your findings of mm-hmm. population and personal level data is critical. So as I see sort of layers of value-based care technology ecosystem, you start with the data. Um, on top of your data ecosystem, you have clearly defined business intelligence, like things like, you know, dynamic risk stratification of your population. So you really understand which population needs what type of care, right? So risk stratification is a big thing. Your ability to, um, your ability to really uh, quantify the medical costs, your ability to quantify the quality of care, um, your ability to uh, quantify the data or present the data at the point of care which will really drive, um, you know, better quality of care for both the patients and the physicians. I think all of these things are critical. So data, having a layer of analytics, which can drive a lot of value-based care, and then obviously aligning the interventions. So you provide 
things like patient 360 views or, or you know, a 360 uh, level, longitudinal level view of the data in front of the practitioner is going to be critical. Um, the practitioner's ability or physician's ability to document the right conditions will be critical. Your ability to ingest data from hospitals, acute, post-acute care facilities through HIE is going to be critical. Um, how you perform pre-visit and post-visit care coordination workflows. So things like that on the digital enablement side are critical on top of data. And together you build an ecosystem that can really drive value-based care. Um, because they are both directly proportional. If you don't have the data and you don't uh, align your clinical interventions to that data, you cannot practice value-based care. Yeah. No, no, no. It's fantastic. I just... Just such a wealth of information and knowledge that you're offering our audience. This is, this is really great. Um, we are talking about, you know, what's going to happen with value-based care. We have to get better data, AI. So, so what do you see? I mean, in three years when you come back, we'll have you before that, but in three years, you know, how does healthcare look to you? I mean, it's not flying cars, but... It, we're already at electric cars. So so we're getting better. You know, like, I guess those people in the 30s when we were going to have uh, flying cars, it's like, no, but they're electric. So we're almost there. So how are we going to look in healthcare like three, five, seven years? What's like the perfect scenario that's actually feasible in your eyes? Yeah. And I think a lot of that is what has caught momentum in healthcare mm-hmm. right now. So um, I'm hoping that in next two, three to five years, it's going to be a little bit more solid, right? So if you ask me realistic view of things, yeah. I really think that we will be able to, interoperability will be mainstream, right? I'm hoping in next three to five years with all of these new laws of patient data sharing and removing barriers of data sharing mm-hmm. is going to drive health systems to share data amongst themselves as well, as well as sharing data with, with the members or individuals. So I think it, it, interoperability will be real. I think there's a lot of push for price transparency mm-hmm. in healthcare. You know, you don't want to see unexpected bills that you didn't sign up for. But right now, that's everyone is scared going into inpatient facilities or taking care services because you don't know if it is part of your benefit package or not, or how much of that is covered. How is the physician in network out of network? There's so many things that you as an individual need to find out before you go into your care experience. So there will be a much higher level of price transparency in or cost transparency in healthcare. I think uh, continuous, I I really feel like the information availability as it is, is going to get like more streamlined, more mainstream. So, you know, if you are a chronically, if you have multiple comorbidities or you have chronic conditions, use of variables and connected technology so that your data is being transmitted on an ongoing way to the providers, that's going to be real as supposed to be very case agnostic these days. I think that's that's going to be real. And I have a lot of hope in, in genomics as well. I mm-hmm. think the way we are we are working towards genomics and and how like genomics is becoming more s- streamlined. I really feel in three to five years we will have a much more democratized solution to that. Right now it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that the costs of of genomics and and identifying your gene patterns and so forth early in your life will will become more mainstream. So 
you can sort of manage your uh, journey of life accordingly. So no, at least these are some of the things I, I feel will will be real. I'm excited. As long as there's people like you, fantastic leaders like you, like in, in front of all of this, I feel much better. I, I feel happy about three, five, seven years from now. So I'm very excited. This has been a fantastic look at how technology is really pushing healthcare into levels that were unthinkable only a short time ago. Uh, before we leave, is there anything you'd like to, you know, recommend or plug to our audience? Um, besides, of course, you know, clear care, reading more about what clear care is doing, but is there anything else you'd like to recommend to the audience? Well, a couple of things. So if you have seniors, uh, parents who are looking for holistic health care, uh, please have them uh, go to Clever Care's website and, and sign up with us, uh, especially if they speak language, which is not English, and they're looking for more holistic benefits. Um, I, I think Clever Care is the, is the place to go. Um, I'm a big proponent of giving back. So if anyone wants to reach out to me and uh, get, you know, mentorship or want to learn about how they can get into the field of technology or digital technology, I'm very happy to guide folks or at least give my two cents if, if that helps them. So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and I just feel like we, there's so much, there's, uh, we are living in great times. So if people are trying to get into anything related to science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM, I'm a big proponent of STEM. Uh, please pursue it. You'll, you'll have great opportunities in the future. Uh, it worked for me. It'll work for everyone. I, I think if I can do it, you know, most of the people can. Um, so, yeah, if there's anything I can help me uh, help with, please reach out on LinkedIn and we'll be very happy to respond and communicate with you. That's fantastic. So awesome. This has been a conversation with Udmesh Srivastava, Chief Technology and Digital Innovation Officer with Clever Care Health Plan. Udmesh, thank you so much for being a guest this week. Uh, we tr I, I truly appreciate it. It was, it was a fantastic chat. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Not a problem. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast, where the healthcare IT communities connect, collaborate, and create solutions for a better health system. Find all our episodes as well as information on our association on our website, weedy.org. Thank you for joining us and be safe.